Good morning, vendors and non-vendors alike, and welcome to the Republic City Dispatcher radio program covering Nick.com's Legend of Korra series. This week, Republic City hosts the coronation of Prince Wu, or so we thought. Kuvira, the Great Uniter, has refused to abdicate absolute power over the New Earth Empire, while Korra and Toph rumble in the swamp. If you want to hug something, hug a tree, or one of our hosts, Matt, Dave, Kuvira, and Joanna. Hello and welcome to Republic City Dispatch. We're back for the third episode of Book Four, Balance. And who is we? We is the typical group here with uh, Joanna Robinson. Hello. Devendra Hardwar. Hello, hello. And Dave Gonzalez back, back from, well, you were on the episode in the beginning last week and then you disappeared. I'm going to stay for the whole episode this week. You had to, you, you were, you're an airbender who was called in action. I'm having that's, my that's own uh, Legend of Korra season book two over here, and it's, <laughs> it's been fun. Uh, today we're going to talk about the coronation, not to be confused with Korra Nation. My brain was going there the entire time. <laughs> I know. I can't. I don't I can't know. Is it a it joke? Off. Are they <laughs> pulling our leg? I don't. I don't get it. It seems like it's a little. T- and coming out of Wu's mouth, it just sounds like coronation. I don't know. Maybe we're reading too far into that. Dave, what happened? In this episode. <clears throat> All right. So everyone but Korra is in Republic City for the coronation of Prince Wu. The coronation, coronation of Prince Wu, which doesn't go as planned or exactly how you'd expect, depending on if you saw the first episode of this book. Kuvira declares herself the leader of the Earth Empire and says she will crush anyone that invades her borders or stands in her way. She manages to convince a hesitant Bolin to stay and suggests to Su Yin that Zhao Fu isn't safe until they bend the knee to the new emperor. Mako takes a depressed Prince Wu shopping after arguing with his brother and suggests that the prince wouldn't have made a good prince anyway, even if what Kuvira is doing is wrong. Tenzin asks asks the X-Men suited air kids to track down Korra, while Korra in the swamp gets her butt handed to her by Toph several times, who reveals that she can sense the entire world from her perch in the swamp, including leftover Black Lotus metal poison in Korra's body that Korra needs to release herself. Meanwhile, Kuvira tells Varric to focus on some dastardly looking machine that is interacting with the scrap of spirit vine. Woo. Yeah, there's woo. lots of lots of little pieces. But that was both a W O O woo and a W U woo. <laughs> they did that once in the episode. It was like woo woo. woo. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been my favorite part. Those and the and Cora does that every so often. There's just like modern, I don't know, modern yeah. lazy guy call cat calling from the back or whatever. Woo. Love that. There was actually um, saying woo urns. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying woo urns. Is that a Simpsons reference? Yes. yes. I don't. What is that from? I hear people uh, say boo urns all the time. This is from total the, deviation from here, the but epi- everyone should know. It's from the episode where they have the um, film festival in Springfield, and Mr. Burns does this overblown out thing, and everybody yeah. boos it. It's and, a Spielbergo movie. That's right. Ah. And um, Smithers says, I think they were saying boo urns. And Mr. Burns stands up and says, are you guys saying boo or boo urns? Everybody boos him again, except for Hans Molman, who says, I was saying boo urns. <laughs> Thank you for breaking that down for me because I see it all over the place. I love The Simpsons and I couldn't for the life of me remember what yeah. episode that was from. That's, they, uh, that's one of the episodes film critics should know by heart. That was really interesting. Oh, now you're yeah, shaming patches. Now you're just Come on, shaming dude. me. Boo Wait, which, patches. Which episode of Buffy did you watch this morning? The second episode of Buffy. All right. The that's one good. where they fight vampires and learn about yeah. slayers and their friend gets taken. Milo Ventimigliaga. No, it's Eric Balfour. 
Okay, they look exactly the same. But um, <laughs> pre twenty four, Eric Balfour, yeah. vampire butt kicking. We are way off topic. Here. I'm pretty sure Let's... I had Eric Balfour's Gap sweater when I was. In high school. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. I might, I might purpose? be able to. Did you buy it because it was his sweater? No, I was wearing it. I was like, oh my god, Eric Balfour and I have the same Gap sweater. All right, I'm done. I Sorry. might, I might be able to bring it back in a sense that this is an interesting episode of the Legend of Korra in for how many like little Easter eggs and little animation asides there were in the background. So. I'm not at all surprised that we've got distracted by little callbacks and Buffy. What? Oh, you're talking about just in general. I'm talking about just in general. We're sprinkling in lots of conversation into something that's supposed to be about Cora. I mean, I feel right. I feel I feel like our podcast, if we wanted to, could just focus on these little side things, like Bosco the Bear is in Little Bossing Say, even though he was eaten, and like, why is Little Bossing Say more about the no, king? No, it's supposed even to look like queen? him. It's not the actual Bosco the Bear, right? I mean, it just it seems like an interesting thing that would be like it's like if uh, Kim Jong Un really hated a dog, and so everywhere there's a little <laughs> Korea, we've made statues of that dog. You know, because the Earth Queen did not like Bosco. Anyway, yes. little things yes. like that that um, could be happening, and I wouldn't know. We saw the Fire Lord, and she didn't get to speak, but she looks. Vaguely genetically related to May, which is yet another weird introduction for the whole yeah that was like, strange. Zuko family. Hmm. Although maybe that wasn't as big a deal as we thought because Dave has just been obsessed with seeing the Fire Lord, and I've just heard so much about it that I thought right, she ended right. up being important. And yeah. but so this is really it, Dave's fault. Frog, it's frog it's the follow up from the past couple books where like Zuko's like, "Hey, what's up?" Just appears like <laughs> apropos of nothing. Hey, I have, a, I have a dragon now. That's cool. Hey, yeah. here's the Fire Lord. She's sitting next to me. It's fine. I yeah, like that. It's, it's cash. <laughs> Uber cash. Hey, well, I just uh, got a dragon. No big thing. It was like the most casual, I don't know, light coup. It's like a light morning coup. Everybody's <laughs> like, oh, well, I guess she's um, just crushing the Medal of Honor and no, that end of ceremony. I actually have a, Matt, are you, can I talk about the episode now or did you want to? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We should have an official start and stop battling. But I did want to mention before we get into things, uh, thanks to everyone who has left reviews and subscribed to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, obviously, each episode we, we ask you to go out and do that and support the show. And many people have. And this is a big thank you to that. And I also want to remind people that on RepublicCityDispatch.com, you know, we post the episodes each week. And people have done an amazing job um, commenting and throwing things back, throwing out theories, writing about the show, paragraphs of writing about the show in the comments of uh, of our episodes on their website. And it's just amazing. And people have been reblogging it on Tumblr and writing things. So thank you to everyone who's been listening and contributing. It's amazing. Um, now we can talk about the coronation and whatever Joanna thinks is important. Joanna? <laughs> <laughs> whatever I think is important. Whatever you think is important right now, we can talk about it. The... the- element I disliked the most was, I liked this episode, but the element I disliked the most was how Cuvier's coup is sort of treated like a dun-dun-dun moment when we all knew it was coming. You know, right. she had that whole, like, I always get what I want evil moment right before, like, a commercial break. I, I watch it with commercials. And, um, you know, and then later, it happened, like, midway through the episode, and it seemed like it was supposed to be some sort of surprise. And, like, like everyone here knew it was coming, so. Right, right. But we're also, like, educated TV watchers, so. That's true. It's a kid show. I, yeah, but it's, I, also, I, it's for the characters, right? Not for us. Right, we, right. we want to see that turn just to see the, char- the you know, yeah. Bolin and Mako's reaction. So all this Tenzin who's like, I, yeah. I think something's up with that Kuvira gal. And, and whoa, it is. Something is up. I, I do hear she, what you're saying too, Joanna. Like, I wish it wasn't so telegraphed. Like, if that was a genuine surprise, yeah. I think that would have kind of blown me away. Yeah, yeah. 
I think that would have been cooler if, you know, Kuvira had given some lip service to being helpful to the Earth Kingdom before pulling the rug out in this way. Then we would have been like, whoa, kind of saw that coming, but maybe not. And this way we're like, all right. Because she's like, she's twisting her mustaches basically earlier in the episode. And I, I just don't think that's. Wait, wait, wait. Mustaches. She Now she has two mustaches she doesn't she has have? multiple mustaches. Yeah. That's, that's the thing you can say. Twisting your mustaches? A pair of mustaches. Look it up. Oh, interesting. It's Wait, like have I seen you? I think we've actually talked about this on the podcast before, and you've written lengthy articles about this idiom. Am I am I making that up, Joanna, that you've gone to great lengths to tell people about twisting your mustaches? No, I have not. About the plurality <laughs> of mustaches? No. Or so I'm having, I'm having a dream. I've had multiple dreams where this has happened. <laughs> I like you've Joanna written... Robinson, podcaster and mustache expert, though. That's a nice <laughs> business card. Mustaches? Why would you say mustaches? You would just say twisting your mustache. See, that's... Okay, let's... We're, we're, getting, we're getting derailed again. <laughs> derailed like the Ba Sing Se Express cannot Let me be. Let say that originally... Or I don't know about originally. At one point in literature, mustache was referred to as a pair of mustaches, as in like both sides of your lip. And idiomatically now, it's it's archaic to say pair of mustache, mustaches. And so I'm incorrect in using an archaic phrase, but it's still not completely untrue. That's Look at right. It shows your classic roots. You're the Kuvira <laughs> well in this situation, browbeating <laughs> us into your... Anarchic <laughs> belief of the world, but it's kind of cooler sounding, isn't it? It doesn't it evoke like handlebars and like twistiness. Well, it's like pants, right? Yeah, right. We've never gone to just pant. We with pants. <laughs> we're still so. we're still talking about this. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yes, we are. I I did want to like hone in on this Kuvira thread because it's such a big part of the episode, but also because of Devendra, what you were saying that it's been telegraphed that Kuvira will have a turn where people realize that. She's a fascist, not just a unifier uh, in a positive way. Um, but how how could it not be telegraphed? Or I mean, should she not have gone over this edge, kind of past this threshold already? Right, where we right. know she's the bad guy of this season. I would have liked to see her make that turn during the season rather than something that's clearly happened, you know, in the past three years. Or if the show, like, if she was just presented as, like, this benevolent person who always thought she was doing good and didn't have these evil mustache twirling moments. And then we get to this point where she just feels justified in doing this. But we also root for her because we think she's still a good person. Whereas right now, I think all these little, like, asides and I always get what I want is, you know, just defines her as bad guy when it could be a lot more complicated. Yeah, it has a it has a Star Wars Clone Wars problem, right, which is that right. I don't know what the other side of the evil army is. Like they're bandits, I guess, but otherwise it just sort of seems like disarray. No, you do mm-hmm. know you you have Bolin, right? That's what complicates things. Except we want her so to be dumb. kind of pure evil because uh-huh. we don't understand how anyone could follow that. Um, well, normally we wouldn't understand how people could follow that, but we we uh, understand Bolin, and we do we see... understand Bolin? No, we understand. I do. I think it's oh. out of character. I think it's it's way more stupid than Bolin. I know he is a naive <laughs> character, but I this feel is, like this is yeah. way beyond the pale. He's supposed to be this older too, you know. It's what? the season's naive Bolin subplot. Basically, yeah. <laughs> there is truth to this. There there is reality to people feeling like they should follow this leader who is bringing the sure. empire together and 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 helping 
towns prospered. I mean, there why definitely wouldn't is, follow? but Bolin is a guy who's been tricked several times. Well, also, like, well, uh, and Bolin isn't the guy who gets tricked. Bolin's a guy who attaches himself to the strongest woman in the room in any, any given situation, <laughs> which can lead him to good times when he's with Korra and like the arena or like. Desna and Eska when that's all he has left. Well, his whole acting thing. Yeah, the acting thing. I agree. You're right. But, like, Boleyn's on the ground. (laughs) Like, he's seeing everything that's happening. For the the crowd to be chanting Kuvira's name is understandable to me. For Boleyn, who's right there and sees everything she does, and if she is indeed... What bad things has she done? I don't know, browbeat, like, bullied the town leaders. And mm-hmm. in my, like, I really believe that he hasn't that the, seen that. That was kind of behind closed doors. That was like a hush-hush conversation but that she had with uh So he's her number two, and he's never seen yeah. her do this? Read the room, He's dude. back on the train. <laughs> he's <Read> coordinating. The- <laughs> <laughs> he's busy. This is why Edward Snowden had to leak NSA documents, because he was <laughs> building things for the enemy in his mind, and he didn't realize until later. So I mean, you can be you could be a paper pusher and not realize what's going on I mean, until much later. He doesn't seem like uh, first of all, we know he can't write. Okay, he's a he's a drawing <laughs> pusher. Um, so he's on the ground. Touché. Yes, uh, but touches. I also think the uh, the Kuvira plot could go deeper too. Like she probably has some connection to these rebels. Yeah, like is. Yeah, yeah, influencing exactly. them in a way to give her power and control, which, you know, that, that would be another interesting reveal. Yeah. Oh, Bolin's going to, like, never has noticed that she's got secret dealings with these evil bandits. <laughs> Just disappointed in Bolin, that's all. Wait, that's, yeah. a, that's a cockamamie mm-hmm. theory. That's not it's great theory. yet. It's wait, wait, theory. no, no. That's that's exactly what it, I mean. Yeah. What they're yeah. saying is exactly what I was saying about the Star Wars thing, which is that the Emperor plays both sides to create this fake war to give themselves power. There's never really a conflict. I don't know... There is no Black Lotus. It's at the point now where I'm thinking like... Why do you keep like, saying Black Lotus? This is confusing me. Red Lotus. Red Lotus. My, Red my Lotus. bad. Uh, there is no Red Lotus anymore, but it's at the point where we went from let's not have any leaders last book to this book. The focus is now there's like an emperor. So it's, I don't know. I want to say that Kuvira's story is being rushed because we're not only dealing with the next chapter in this story, but the end chapter in this story. So I'm hoping that it's being treated this way and sort of telegraphed so that something that happens halfway or three fourths of the way through can really, you know, put a capper on what we're supposed to be learning through all this. I think the most interesting and complicated conversation we had around this subject in this episode was between Kuvira and Su Yin, because Kuvira did have some good points when she was like, you just didn't do anything. Like, you didn't get involved at all. At least mm-hmm. I got involved. You know, and Su, Su Yin's response was a little feeble, where she was like, well, I didn't want to be seen to be taking power. So uh, that was one sort of somewhat nuanced conversation around this, which I which I quite liked, um, that wasn't sort of hit you over the head, I think. Yeah, and they're also not presenting an alternative either like they go to there isn't an alternative yeah the show goes to yeah it goes to great lengths to show that prince Wu, even if he had you know things had gone gone they were supposed to that it wouldn't have worked Mm -hmm. out so i like i don't i mean there are alternatives there is democracy in this world like it's not you know unheard of yeah, but, but no one's stepping up to do it, and I think that's right, why it's right. so interesting. It's it's great to see her kind of come out the gates and twirl her pair of mustaches um, and be <laughs> just an out and out fascist. She's she's stomping the you know the the people who stand in her way. I I can't believe she actually says that in her speech. Uh, maybe that's a little too much, Guvira. Pull <laughs> yeah. it back. 
That's just rhetoric, that man. speechwriter on the phone. He's fired. Uh, but I like that it's so obvious that she is bad because no one can tell her no and no one can suggest an alternative. There is no mm-hmm. other way. And when she tells Su Yin, you know, like, I stepped up and did it. What? Uh, that's powerful. That's well, that means yeah. something because she doesn't. It's not. It's no longer about the turn of being evil. It's about having someone who's evil and us not being able to solve the problem. Do you think that was in the stage directions of her speech to crush the gold in oh, front yeah. of everyone? Like, is there like a, a crush little metal bracket? Now. Yeah, it's kind of her <laughs> mic drop in a way. Crush ornamental metal here. Yeah, it's in brackets. Yeah, your words mean nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, could have at least taken that and given it to someone. Jeez. Given it to Wu, Destroying who only got it. an earring. That's hey, that's a brooch. Now. I love our brief glimpse of the palace, by the way. Just like turned into a tourist hotspot. Like that That shows a lot of how much that world has changed. I mean, well, wait a, a second. second. That's, that's a, a fake palace. Yeah, was like, it a fake palace? Yeah. I'm with you, Devendra. This was not, that was not clear to me at first. But I okay. guess little, okay. little Ba Sing Se is part of Republic City. And then that is a tourist attraction. It's like China. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that, that also is interesting too. Yeah, <laughs> it is. oh, it is. It's a thing. And I love that um, little bossing say has like rings of like levels of shops. Right. He was right. like, Maka, we'll buy you some clothes in the middle ring. Then we'll go to the upper ring and buy me some clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can feel the oppression even in the tourist attractions. Yeah. That's great. Oh, uh, yes, and I also loved the Kuvira shirts. I want one. Honestly, talking about, I guess I would be promoting something horrible. That's that's interesting. Talking about rings again. Now I'm wondering why are we not more on Kuvira's side? Because the alternative Um, was Prince Wu and rings again. Right, right. Like it seems like I mean it's because there's so much mustache twirling, and we know that like you know fascism hasn't worked previously in this world. We're sort of not on our side, but I guess now that I think about it. Like, the fact that Bolin brought up that he's gone back to where his family is in the new Ba Sing Se order, and things are better in that neighborhood, and, you know, their fruit isn't rotten anymore. Maybe maybe I'm more on Kuvira's side than I think, even though uh-huh. she's this huge, bad metal bender. Well, that's, yeah, that's why it's easy to believe Bolin and her supporters would get behind her, because, Devendra, you mentioned, like, why, you know, there is democracy in the Avatarverse. President Raiko exists. Republic City seems to be a democratic state uh but why could, couldn't it happen for bossing say in right. the earth kingdom but the earth kingdom's broken right you can't just set up a democracy you can't just establish the united states and <laughs> wrangle 50 states and make it all work right like that yeah, has to be built happened. piece by piece <laughs> well, that, that, I mean, that has not happened not well first of all it, the Drawing the parallels between the real world and fantasy world is always that's tough, right? Because I love. I, it. I don't want to limit the fantasy world to what. Don't rain on the patches world. parade, man. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, there. I mean, they could have. They could have done something. Like the thing is, it's interesting how I guess Republic City is the only area in this world with democracy, right? Because all the other kingdoms and tribes are just kind of dealing with their existing feudal systems. Um, so I guess they didn't see the pressure or need to say, hey, maybe we should try a different way of ruling the Earth Kingdom. Right now they're dealing between the two extremes, right? Fascism and the old monarchy. Well, um, yeah. Was Tenzin's hope that he could install a cabinet of ministers? He's the one who was talking about the, the right, advisors. Right. Or maybe, no, it was President Raiko. He was talking about the advisors who were on the way right. to help Puppet woo. leaders. Yeah. That's but great. So, so, well, if they had set him up as, like, head of state... Mm-hmm. You know, like a queen situation or, or, you know, like some sort of, yeah, figurehead monarch and then have 
a cabinet of ministers who are actually running the show. I don't know. That could have been a solution. Right. Yeah, who could I have mean, been the, the prime Kavira, minister of Bossing Sing? Right. The Kaviri thing shows, though, that the it's the failure of giving one person kind of all this power, even if it's symbolic, because all of a sudden they could start using that power. And if yeah. they're not democratically elected, then you, you can't really – you have no rules to, like – take them out or uh, change things up or change the leadership. Right. And it's a good historical parallel because like post-war, there definitely have been people endowed with too much power to put things together. And, you know, we've all seen it mm-hmm. a time. So it's good to have it. I just think that it's being like, and it's fine f- to me, it's fine that everyone except Bolin is taken by surprise. It's not okay <laughs> that Bolin is right there on this Kuvira piercer and is taken by surprise. Yeah. Um, and it's a good storyline. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't know. I don't want those music cues that are like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of hear what you're saying, Dave. Like, I do wish, I wish I was a little more sympathetic with her because she's basically, she's Magneto. Like, she is, she's pulling so many Magneto plot lines and things here. Like, she is, you know, the fascist who we should root for because she's trying to help bring this world, this disconnected world together from all these external threats. And, you know, Magneto has had a point in a lot of what he's done in a lot of storylines. And I'm seeing a lot of those parallels here. It's just, uh, I don't know, for some reason, maybe it's just the way she was introduced. It's the, the fact that they had to move so quickly. Kuvira was just painted as evil initially. She's right. glaring. I mean, she's designed makes her look mean. Right. Maybe it was, that's her problem. Sure. Really, it's like, uh, in terms of unforgivable things she's done as a television character, really the only <laughs> thing you could trace back to, like, this person is our villain, is when she threatens to leave the bandits magnetized to the track and it would just kill them. But, like, <laughs> otherwise, she seems to, you know, she hasn't done any of the unforgivable television things, like, you know, kicking a dog or killing a person. <laughs> She just browbeat that first, you know, village head. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, there have been times in the Avatar universe where our team has been trying to browbeat people. Like, we spent the whole first half of the last book trying to convince people that there needed to be an air nation, and all our mm-hmm. lead characters did was browbeat people. So browbeating can happen in the flaws of your <laughs> character. I'm just trying to figure out, like, how much is this person the villain? And then it's also interesting to me because it is so completely opposite of the focus of our villains with the Red Lotus last season, that it's like, if you can't find Korra in like three months, do you let Zaheer out of prison? You know, like <laughs> what? <laughs> what? To, to, to do what? Why would you to let take down, out to take down to take down Kuvira? If you can't, if you can't stop the dictator of the largest nation in the world, because the avatar is missing. Are you suggesting a suicide squad? I'm suggesting if the Red Lotus members are around as much as possible as we thought they were, with the hinting of Kuvira and there being more Red Lotus members at the end of the last book, Kuvira is either with them somehow in some like way where she's going to have power and then just go missing, which seems weird, or the Red Lotus is still out there and they're going to be super pissed. I don't. I don't want us to rule out the possibility <laughs> that Suyin is still evil. <laughs> Because oh man, what? <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Yes, Cora- I totally agree with you. Uh, that's great. <laughs> I know Cora still having poison in her body is a great big old metaphor. But what if Suyin left some stuff there on purpose? God, I mean, it doesn't really play in her in any way. That's the thing. 
uh, we don't know her long game. <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, you could always say this, yeah, till her deathbed. Like, that's what she wanted. <laughs> I don't know if there's enough time for Su Yin to swoop in and be I will mad. go down with this ship. <laughs> you should. I hope after the series ends, you're still, like, looking at that circus photo. <laughs> like, yeah. What does it all mean? It'll be like the end of the usual suspects, yeah. It's like a huge poster on my wall, and I'm looking, <laughs> I've got safety pins yeah. in it. And, oh. I mean, like, Su Yin kicks off her lips. Crazy person, crazy person evidence map. Yeah, my string wall, my string wall. Yeah. Love that. Well, why, why are we with the the family? Toss, toss, toss back, guys. Yes, let's talk about this yeah, other seriously. half of this episode. <laughs> Which, this is. I feel like this Toph introduction is everything I wanted from yes. Toph in the Avatar in the core universe, at least. This is like the so, first the first returning character outside of the season one flashbacks of Aang that I really am like behind 100%. I don't have mm-hmm. I don't have any questions about what happened between here and there. She's, it seems completely consistent with her character. I'm <laughs> I so think happy. That's- really the key i'm i'm kind of amazed how good the voice acting is in terms of making the original actress jesse flower who does not do the voice of toff old old lady toff uh that's now felice sampler um but the two voices sound almost exactly like just aged and just the mannerisms are the same and you, you don't really know how much of an uh, animated character comes from vocal performance until you mm-hmm. hear it altered in that way um, because I think she's who she is uh, because of that voice. It's not just the way that she's designed or the way she, the animators make her move. It's that it's that voice. It's the way she communicates. It's wonderful. And the way the the way her words work too. Like just her her the way she speaks is really interesting and very different than everybody else. So glad they can. Yeah, she has that. a cadence. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I, we're, we're just enamored by Toph. We yeah, can't speak. I, I, was love ha- I was having a discussion with somebody about how this is the type of uh, swamp mentor I like, or the <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back Yoda is better than the Return of the Jedi Yoda oh, yeah, because he's yeah, playful yeah. and uh, kind of instantly knows that he's all powerful but diminutive, much like <laughs> Toph is probably the most powerful bender we've met thus far at least if mm-hmm. her claims of what she can do are true and she's just uh, she's got that little sass to her like you get the idea that she wants to help Cora but she doesn't need to help Cora she's mm-hmm. not all as tied up in it as everybody else and some of our previous mentors have been she's not Zuko who's riding <laughs> his dragon around every time the avatar's in trouble Right, and I love her excuse for just like you know the she was uh, she was the head cop and she saw the stuff and she saw how you know bad things it just it's a cycle right like she she the fact that they revealed she could see everything clearly means she saw everything that happened over the past couple seasons so you have the whole thing was a here she didn't lift a finger to help but it, that's just interesting it's so right true should to her we be character. a little more upset with Toph because she kind of walked out on her family. And yeah. didn't help anybody. Uh, well, she's got a she's got a reaping coming up. I, I mean, yeah. if Zalfu is going to be under attack, that's her entire family and legacy. Yeah. That's mm. completely different from being a police chief or whatever her job was. But I don't so know. you're saying like Yoda in episode two now, or something? <laughs> we'll have flipping crazy Yoda again. I mean, uh, uh, she was flipping. She was she was flipping. <laughs> <laughs> she be flipping. I'm interested to see. I mean, I'm. I wouldn't be unhappy if we got a sudden top appearance and oh, sure. her yeah. 
her, you know, suddenly her radar sense. We get one more good radar sense sequence with Toph, and she just, I don't know, does something mm-hmm. amazing to Kavira, Kavira, but I don't need that to happen. I just would like I to need that it to happen. happen. I need to see Toph <laughs> in the middle of, like, a metal, you know, of a city where everything is made of metal. This, like, this, that would be, this season, be something. This season doesn't seem like it's building like the original series was to, like, a gigantic battle that's going to end all uh, of our battles. Mm-hmm. I, I will disagree with you, but I want to get to that after okay. we kind of talk about this Korra Toph training session, which uh, is a lot of fun action-wise. But I'm curious what you guys think about it as, you know, last episode we had Negakora, right? And and this kind of externalization of what Korra is going through, or literalization in some ways. But she was silent and menacing, um, and, and the direction really played up just her hovering around and kind of this weight on Korra's shoulders. Here she literally has metal poison still in her body, and mm-hmm. Toph kind of launches into this speech about how well, if you really wanted it out of your body, you'd get it out of yourself. Bang on. You don't even want to be the Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty on the nose, but maybe it had to be. I don't know. What did you think about that? It, uh, I mean, it was it was a little surprising, too, that it would be that simple as the reasoning for all this. But, yeah, I get the symbolic. But then, yeah, but then I the get solution isn't simple. Right. Just because you have yeah. a diagnosis doesn't mean the solution's simple. And I like that. Like, if she had gotten the metal out of her in this episode, I would have been like, all right. But yeah. the fact that Cora has this psychological attachment to it is is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Does she, though? It, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't... I, although I love plot-based reasons for things happening, I feel like this is more just... Uh, they gave... Uh, they threw a life vest at people who maybe didn't get the full narrative of Korra alone and it was like <laughs> the Tumblr also, detectives wondering if like, why it's taking if you don't Korra want to talk alone. about post-traumatic stress disorder that's fine there's metal poison still in her like let's let's move on let's not get caught up in I, I mean talking I think about it all specifics. works it all works together right it is really oh, tough yeah. to I guess yeah to communicate something like PTSD to younger viewers and it's this is directly related it's not like some additional you know, puzzle they have to unlock to get to the next level of this show or something. It's it's something that's going to mean something once Cora deals with it. Yeah, I guess it's just we always dealt with sad Cora at the end of seasons, and so uh, it's interesting to start one off. And I feel like I don't know if I were writing the show and all of a sudden. I was online and I had just like a group of core people that watched the show. I would, I would still be worried about people coming in and being like, so this show's about a, this is a Nickelodeon cartoon about post-traumatic stress disorder from like a teenager that was attacked by a gigantic man that sounded like Henley Rollins. That seems really weird. I don't know. In a, in a fantastical universe, I feel like nothing can be hurt by also attaching a magical object to a psychological scar. I think that's the the not the luxury of not doing that is the luxury of a more complex storytelling method. I think. But isn't that the problem everyone had with midichlorians? <laughs> well. That, that's a little different. Patches. Yeah. I, here's my question: Why couldn't? Uh, why couldn't Toph just like knock Cora unconscious and then take the metal out of her while she's unconscious so she couldn't physically she's resist? She's a teacher. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. She's not a physician. To, need to get to the deeper resonant issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> also, she uh, could. She could have done that, but that's, you know, Kavira would have done that. Uh, <laughs> would not do that. That's true. 
and yeah, and and if and if Toph got it out, then it would mess up Suyin's long game. So <laughs> I cannot that wait. What if, gotta... what if it happens? What are you guys gonna do? Um, we should have some sort of bet. If Suyin is <laughs> the bad guy, we owe you something. I don't know what it is yet. A pair of mustaches. Yeah. Well, if if <laughs> one. if we can't definitively prove she wasn't the bad guy, you owe us an essay at the end of the series explaining how she was always. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. Let's <laughs> make a, let's make you do the work. <laughs> this is insane. Uh, is so is Toph done? Like, are we? Is Toph walked out of the room uh, at the end of oh, this yeah. episode? And I'm, I'm just like, oh, is that is that it for Toph? Because Toph's purpose in my mind was something metal bending related, right? To get this poison out uh, gives her more of a purpose in terms of being the trainer for Cora to come back. But I don't know. Is she off the show? That's that would be. Our, I mean. Um, Cora's still there, and we'll see Toph around. And I'm sure there's going to be some sort of is it big thing. Is it Janora? Like, because this is going to be a spiritual sort of meditation right. practice, right? And since Janora's on her way to find Cora, I feel like that's the next person to help her. I can't wait for whatever is is the next episode. I think I saw maybe a teaser or a, an image from the the next episode that might hint that the next one is just all the Airbender kids going on an adventure. I really yeah. want that episode. The, the little yeah. teaser. In yeah. this one, I mean, it's totally random, by the way. By the when at the end of this episode, when Tenzin's like, "Go off and have your own adventure," <laughs> it's like up. It's like the end of Up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that seed's really in there, other than setting up some sort of fantastic Janora, Milo, and Iki adventure. But he really I, needs to have her moment. Um, I want I want Milo and Toph to get a spinoff series. <laughs> Janora, Janora's tattoo plus hair grown over look is so good it's really yeah. good yeah, yeah. I'm i like that we got to see her bald though moving yeah. around there was yeah, a flashback yeah. in the second episode um that was nice but yeah she looks good i actually you know kuvira should look like janora on a design level because then we'd all be like she's so nice as opposed <laughs> yeah. to always glaring it's and looking it's animal evil. trope it's anime tropes of like these sharp lines and the sharp eyes i don't feel like, like she ha- i mean i'll have to go back and watched last season the end of last season that happened a month ago but um, she had rounder eyes <laughs> yeah like that's that's softer looking right that's well, the anime thing and disney does that a lot too the villains always have sharp eyes and sharper hair and stuff yeah yeah the hair her hair was soft last season mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden her like little curl down the side of her face is jagged it looks it's like a, a blade well, I think yes. brian and mike <laughs> explained a little bit about that they talked about the design of kavira at the new york comic-con panel recently and basically, they started with the design they had last season, but when they started adding on the like metal armor and whatnot, it just became like a pain for the animators to animate because she had a long like ponytail, and that thing on the side of her mm. face was longer, and like rotations were going to be hard, and you got to have a lot of that for the kind of fighting that Kuvira does. So a lot of the design they uh, they highlighted Kuvira as a very difficult to design character. Just because she's so far into the uh-huh. chronology of the the Korra universe, now she looks like Lady Shredder. <laughs> Actually, it would have been cool like with a braid. I a feel like bra- a braid is very Street Fighter Two, or maybe anime in general. Doesn't she that'd have be, a braid? Be something. No, she has Does a bun. She, she has a oh. bun now. But that's because you can't <laughs> you can't go tell your Cost like two animators more to be like, hey, and then she spins around, and the braid is like a couple frames Does afterwards. Does happen? That would have been cool. That all costs money. All that hair costs money. <laughs> yeah. Could have been How a much whip. do you want this braid? 
It's like Cora got a haircut. <laughs> What's um, also interesting about character designs too is Mako looks a lot like Kuvira now. Like they both look like um, the they look like characters from DC animated shows mm. in the mid nineties. Like Mako thinking, basically looks like Clark Kent now. Yeah, I was. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, and Mako looked like Clark Kent. He looked just like an adult, and they did a really good <laughs> job with Kent? that. Yeah. Yes. Like Clark Kent from Superman the Animated Series is a pretty yes. bulky guy. Yeah. Mako's kind of big now. And look at what? his face. Just his face. Yeah, That's I think what I'm just talking at. about. Yeah, the angular things. The the they've been <clears throat> they've been aging up the faces by sharpening some of the round corners and by extending the cheekbone area. And so it yeah. I get a lot what of it has saying. to do with, with hair. Um, a lot of it has to do with hair. Well, <laughs> that's how it always is. I mean, Asami especially like took up her mom's hairstyle. Where, where's Asami? What, what happened there? She'll uh, come into play. She'll, she, she'll she be the final person to help Cora. She's going to be essential because of what we see teased at the end of this episode. This yes. whole like, weird, they're building the Death Star spirit vine moment. Oh, that's true. And that's why I think... You might be wrong, Dave, about this not leading up to a huge battle. What are they building or what are they extracting from the spirit vine if not a giant laser? Well, uh, let's remember last time we saw the mech suits, the way to take them down was to water earthbend things into their pipes because they were steam powered, (laughs) which seems like a horrible way to power mech suits against uh, earthbenders. So I would suspect spirit vine power might be a better way to power the mech suits. yeah, and already see the mech suits tear apart um, Suyin City. Oh man, I, that's where I assume the big conflict will happen. Yeah. Like, that's that's what it's all building up for because that has all the meaning in terms of our major characters, and then you have Toph coming in. Like it all works. That's the big final showdown. I think it's just um, ready to be ripped apart. That's where all the family know, and, is. And, yeah, yeah, and Bolin has like the attachment to Suyin's daughter. I want to return to Bolin. She just has a name. <laughs> But I always get it wrong. Is it Opal? Okay, because I always call her Pearl, and then I feel embarrassed. So. <laughs> oh, that's my grandma. <laughs> um, I want to go back to Bolin for a second, because even if you want to... I mean, he does question Kuvira a little bit, but even if you want to believe <laughs> that he's just drunk the Kool-Aid, and he is Team Kuvira, and it's fine, I don't quite understand the conflict that escalated so quickly between Bolin and Mako. Really? In terms they, of being... They haven't other... seen each other for... I guess, like but they're year, still right? brothers. Yeah. And for Boleyn to immediately be like, you're my enemy because you think my boss might be corrupt is, yeah. I don't know. They went from cute phrase, hug to enemies just very quickly. Weren't they bending at each other? Like they, they, No, they no. did like play fighting. It was a hug and play fighting and I uh, just a little flourish that was fun for them. Were they, they bending actually at each other? throw down. <laughs> there was no bending. Why did Mako like run back into his room with Oh, that was something else. Sorry. Yes. He was sad. He's crying again. <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's funny to see how they both end up justifying what they're doing. I don't think Mako has any attachment to Prince Wu. Like, he's, no. his job is to take care of him, right? His job isn't to instill him into power. But uh, Boleyn is taking it more personally because he's invested, you know, his life into helping people. And he and thinks I, and I like, doing that. Yeah, and I like that Mako, like, like drew out a little bit of humanity in Prince right. Wu in this episode. Yeah. So. Is there a... I guess maybe book three. I think book three is the only book where Mako and Bolin are on the same side by episode four. So I'm not surprised <laughs> at all. I guess so. Have we seen uh, Pabu yet? Aside Pabu from like what we Pabu thought. Gay. In People say the first episode. I did not see that. Yeah. yeah. I'm like keeping out from. from I my, feel like if Pabu were there, Bolin would not 
like Papa would knock some sense into Bolin. That's what I think. <laughs> well, he was part of the the drawing that Bolin sent to Korra while she was yes. healing. So presumably Bolin remembers Pabu. So hopefully he's somewhere. <laughs> Maybe Kubira has, ha- has like done something to Pabu. Uh, Metal Pabu. Metal Pabu. <laughs> oh, Pabu with armor. Oh my God. <laughs> Pabu is going to become the leader of Bossing Sing by the end Please? of the series. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, he has tougher rhetoric. The only just ruler is a fire ferret. <laughs> that would be amazing. It's actually. like an armored polar bear from uh, you know Philip Pullman, except oh, yeah, Golden Compass. <laughs> actually, he's more like her in Golden Compass terms. Her, yeah. but what is it? Uh, Damon. 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 Yeah. Mad Damon. Matt Damon. Uh, wow, we're just spiraling out of control here. Uh, why, why don't we wrap things up, unless people have more spirit vine theories. Um, and, and Varric. Maybe we should give a shout-out to Varric, who for some reason was pardoned by President Raiko. Of course uh, he was. Yeah. Why, why does Varric continue to do what he does? I'm, I guess I'm glad. He's very funny. Uh, is, but he's stealing is, these spirit vines. Why is Julie still toting luggage? She got more. <laughs> she got more lines this episode than I think she's ever had before. So he's letting her talk more. Shouldn't yeah, she's Julie more of a get partner. her own assistant at this point? She clearly loves him, and yeah. like it's going to be this whole thing. But it's it's interesting. She's going to get her own comic book. <laughs> it's going to be like Mary Jane or whatever, and it's going to be called Do the Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let Let's wrap up this conversation by by mentioning some of the small things, as Dave put it in the beginning of this episode, the small little things that we could hone in on uh, that you liked from this episode. Devendra, did you have something small? Uh, nothing specific. Like I think the Bolin Mako reunion was very nice, and I, I think everything with Toph. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of just great ways of like we could see the old Toph and how this um, this she older good Toph. Lines. Yeah, she has some great lines. Um, I think it's really interesting just to see how flippant she is in terms of like managing her bending techniques. Um, so I thought I, I like everything Toph and I like that Bowen Mako thing. If you want to go hug something, go hug a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Joanna? Uh, for me, it's this moment when <laughs> Suyin sees her son. <laughs> She's like, well, 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 Batar Jr. And he's like, it's just Batar now. <laughs> 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 it's severing the ties mom <laughs> it was a throwaway line the camera was like already panning away <laughs> <laughs> i'm engaged to the emperor now it's just the tar now <laughs> you gave me a dumb name don't add junior to it Batar. <laughs> oh that's not a dumb name that's commanding <laughs> dave um, I guess world building wise, I sort of loved everything that happened in Little Bossing Say, um, from the uh, reuse of Wands, uh, sort of uh, th- theft runaway of food. theme. Yeah, runaway theme. That's a good one. Runaway theme is a good thing. From that to uh, there's a moment where they're hiding, and uh, Mako pulls Prince Wu out of the way, and directly behind Prince Wu's face is a defaced poster of his face classic just like little little moments like that so good you like the squirrel frog i did like the squirrel frog too I mean, every <gasps> time good. there's a new hybrid animal it's important squirrel frog was so good put in your pokedex yeah um i think my favorite part of this episode there were two things actually everything that happened in the hotel which is called the four elements hotel by the way nice four heard. seasons yeah awesome. four seasons four elements what they did there <laughs> Um. Well, how about that Desna Eskel bit? Oh yeah, we didn't talk in the about bathroom. that at all. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> that was my moment because I'm just like, what is this joke? This is the strangest joke. They sleep together in the same room. They only have one bed, and then the joke is Desna sleeps in the tub. 
But I'm like, this is getting, this is went from creepy to just, I have no idea. I know. I was this. like, oh, they're going there? Oh, they're not going there. But they kind of went but there. But they're kind of going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're kind of going there. Uh, so that was odd. And I also liked all the things that were supposed to happen at Wu's coronation, including the dance of the badger moles and earthbenders, earth, I'm sorry, earthbender dames popping out of boulders. <laughs> I really want to see that. I want to see the coronation as it was supposed to go down. It's unfortunate. Uh, well, that about wraps things up on this week's Republic City Dispatch. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Why don't we tell people where they can find us on the Internet? Devendra? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Devendra. I write about techadventurebeat.com, and I also podcast about movies and TV at slashfilm.com. Joanna? I'm Joanna Robinson. You can find me most days on VanityFair.com. You can listen to my other podcasts, including Fighting in the War Room and The Station Agents. You can find me on Twitter at the original Bayfong. <laughs> That's not true, is it? <laughs> no, it's at oh. Joe wrote this. <laughs> now you have to change it. Qu- quick. Before I'm we put the, the original Bayfong. Someone's, uh. someone's going to tweet at you from the original Bayfong before this, <laughs> night, this day is out. Uh, Dave? Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E and everything else that I do, which is a whole bunch of weird stuff, at I love Dave Gonzalez or I hate Dave Gonzalez. Spelling my name that way would be D-A-V-E-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S and then dot coms on the end of those. And I am Matt Patches. I am twirling my pair of mustaches across the internet. Um, try and put everything that I do on mattpatches.com. And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And I recap Quora at screencrush.com. So check that out. And uh, until next week, farewell. He is the prince shuffling woo. Shuffling on down, doing it for you. He's so bad, he knows he's good. Blowing your mind like he knew he would. Little boss sing sage is shopping for fun. Strutting his stuff for everyone. We're not here to start no trouble. We're just here to do the Prince Woo Shuffle.